This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. We said, looking at methods of obtaining healing. Number one, ask in the name of Jesus. Demand your healing. You're not demanding it of God. You're demanding it of the devil. Second, pray to the Father for healing in the name of Jesus. Third, the prayer of agreement. Matthew 18, 19. Find somebody to agree with you for your healing. Amen. The prayer of agreement. And then fourth, we said anointing with oil. Anointing with oil. And then we looked at James 5, verses 14 and 15, where the Bible says, is any sick among you? And like I said, that means there shouldn't be any sick among us. But in case there is anyone who is. Now, the Greek word for sick there actually speaks of someone who is so sick that he cannot help himself. Yeah. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, the ecclesia. So he was talking to the church. He says, let, him pray over, let them pray over him, anointing him with all in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, it shall be forgiven him. Like I said, it's not the elders that save the sick. It's not the oil that saves the sick. It's the prayer of faith that does. Then the Lord raises him up. Now, what is the oil? It's a symbol. Now, is this scriptural to use it? Yes, it is. Nothing wrong with using oil to minister to the sick. Nothing. However, this is where something can be wrong. If you begin to now make a big deal out of the oil, it's not the oil that heals them. The oil is just a symbol. Amen. Just like, um, you see, that's a fan. It's blowing. If that oil, if that bottle of oil is the Holy Ghost, this fan is the Holy Ghost too. Because wind is a type of the Holy Ghost and it's blowing some wind. And then that hamatan season when there was dew early in the morning, then that hamatan dew is the Holy Ghost also. And then that matchbox in your house is the Holy Ghost also. Because fire is a symbol of the Holy Ghost. It's just a symbol. Do we see that? Now, is it all right to use it? Yes. But listen, the use of oil has changed in testaments. For instance, uh, when a king was going to be anointed, when people were going to be separated, you know, oil was used in the Old Testament. I never see it used in the New. I like to be silent where the New Testament is silent and loud where it's loud. When they were going to ordain or appoint deacons in Acts 6, all they did was lay hands. When they were going to separate Paul and Barnabas to the core in Acts 13, 1 to 4, all they did was lay hands. When Paul was talking about his son Timothy and the gift that was given to him, that he was to stir up, he said that was given him through the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Amen. Praise God. He didn't say with the oil. So, like I said, nothing wrong with oil, but let's stay within scriptural boundaries, New Testament boundaries. Amen. Don't let's practice the use of oil like it was in the Old Testament. Like I said, in the Old Testament, the oil itself was something. Just like they sprinkled the utensils with blood. That was scriptural. It was an Old Testament practice. Are you listening? We are not in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament now. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit has come. He lives inside us. So why do we anoint the sick with oil? It's just a symbol that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon them to effect the healing. So whether you use the oil or you don't use the oil, it will still work. Are you listening? Yeah. You know, uh, someone came to meet me one time. He said, this oil, 
It is a special oil. I got it from Jerusalem. It was around the place where Jesus, you know, uh, died. Well, I use it to fry eggs. That's what I use it for. Nothing to it. Nothing. Nothing. So it's, it, this is only, there's nothing. Are, are you listening? Don't make, don't be an idol worshiper. I, do you understand my point? Don't put unnecessary spiritual significance on things, on anything, on anything. Don't worship oil. The oil is not the Holy Ghost. I'll just break that oil and then you're in trouble. Your Holy Ghost has been broken. No, the Holy Ghost is not that fragile. Do you understand? But like I said, it is scriptural. Can we use it in ministering to the sick? Absolutely. Amen. Will God's power flow into them? Yes. But is the power in the oil? No, the power is not in the oil. It's just like sometimes at the communion table, you know, you hear people saying, you see this bread as you eat it, you know, uh, or this wine as you drink it, this is the blood. It's not the blood of Jesus. It's, it's, it's black currant. Is, that's what it is. It's not the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus was shed 2,000 years ago. What is that? It's, it's a symbol. It's a symbol. See, as you eat this bread, your body, it will take, the, there's nothing, don't, 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 that's called transubstantiation. That the moment the minister prayed on it, the bread took on, it didn't take on anything. It was bread. It's still bread. Goes into your mouth. Talin starts working on it to digest it. It gets inside your stomach, you know, and then um, renin, you know, all those enzymes, all that stuff. It, it, it will go in through your digestive system. Are you listening? Ah, but it, this is the blood. It's not the blood of Jesus. It's a symbol. And, but can people be healed during communion? Yes, people can be healed during communion. But why can people be healed during communion? Is there power in communion? Yes, there is. But the power is not in the piece of bread. The power is not in the drink that we are drinking. The power is in the finished work of redemption. What is that? It's a symbol. We are doing it in remembrance of him. Why can somebody be healed as they are taking communion? Because they are acting on God's word. And they are appropriating what the word of God says is theirs. Don't let's start putting something into the bread and putting something into the wine. It's a symbol. Somebody say it's a symbol. It's a symbol. Tell another person it's a, it's a symbol. Yeah, is it good to, uh, it, who said we should use those symbols? God. You know, Jesus instituted it, so it's okay. But however, let's stay within the boundaries of scripture. I like to be silent where the New Testament is silent and loud where it is loud. Amen. So, it's not the oil that is going to heal you. Are you listening? It's the prayer of faith. Where should your faith be? In the oil? No. Your faith should be in God. Your faith should be in his word. Your faith should be in the blood. Your faith should be in the name of Jesus. When I say faith in the blood, I'm not talking about when we sprinkle black currant. No, I'm talking about the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago. It doesn't need to be sprinkled again. It was sprinkled once and for all in the mercy seat in heaven and it settled it for all time. You know, you see, there's something, there's some charms that they do in the occult world where they will take stuff and they will sprinkle it on the floor. Because we came from that kind of background. Sometimes we want to relate to that. Sometimes we think it will help people. And I understand some of the people that push some of these things, they have very good intentions. But the problem is just this. If we get away from scripture, we are away from scripture. Regardless of what our intention is. You know, uh, someone 
talked about something, a book many years ago, called it Faith Extenders. That some things are faith extenders. Well, I understand the principle of what the person was trying to say. But please, let's stay with the word of God. Once we go away from the word of God, especially the New Testament, we're over in no man's land. You know, the problem is now, where does it stop? Somebody comes and uses water. Somebody comes and uses sand. Somebody comes and uses salt. Somebody comes and says, cut your blood. Put some of it. It just will not end. So let's just stay with what the word of God says. And we are safe. Does that make sense? Now, oil, because it was mentioned only two times in the entire New Testament. It obviously isn't a major method that was majored on. Only two times in the entire New Testament. Now, because it's mentioned two times, the Bible says a matter of two or three witnesses that the word be established. So we can establish it. So it's established, it's scriptural. At least you see it twice. The other instance was in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. It says, And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Now, who healed them? This was talking about the disciples of Jesus. Yeah, who healed those people? The oil? No, they, they ministered healing to them. This is the other instance we have of oil being used. So, at least we have two instances, so it's scriptural. But our faith should be in the word of God. Let's stay within the boundaries of God's word. The oil does not heal anybody. It's the power of God that does. Does that make sense? Amen. But like I said, it's scriptural. Now, the thing about anointing the sick with oil is this. The moment they are prayed for, the moment they are anointed with oil, that's the moment they release their faith. A question is this. Who determines whether a prayer of faith is prayed for the sick man? When you anoint him with oil, who determines it? Really, it's the sick man that does. It's not the elders. It's the sick man that does. It's the sick man that determines whether a prayer of faith was prayed or not. How does he determine it? By calling the things that be not as though they were. You see, after Brother Hagin got healed, there was one day he woke up one morning and half of his face was paralyzed. Well, there was a full gospel tabernacle that was there in McKinney. There were some folks, full gospel people, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, divine healing practicing. So he said, okay, I know what I'll do. When Brother Connor, they're going to have a service on Wednesday, I'll go there and have Brother Connor anoint me with, me with oil for my healing. That was a Monday, he saw that. So he released his faith. Monday, uh, Wednesday, I'll go there. So I'll be prayed for. Well, Wednesday, they finished, uh, the meeting was about closing. Uh, due to the lateness of the hour, they weren't going to do a whole lot. So the service was about to be closed. So Brother Hagin, young, young man, as he was then, he just started from the back. Aren't you going to pray for the sick? Oh, then he said, come on over. You know, when he said that, only half his face spoke. The other half wasn't moving. One eye wasn't moving. Even when he was, when he tried to sleep in the night, one eye was shut, one eye was open. Then he would pull the eyelid of the other eye. After he pulls it to shut, it will open up by itself. <laughs> you know, well, Brother Connor anointed him with all. He said he doesn't, one word of what that man prayed that day, he didn't hear. He said he wasn't paying attention. He said he was just waiting for him to say amen. He didn't know why at the moment, but later he found out. You see, if we listen to the Holy Ghost, he will lead us in line with the Bible. That they had a bottle of oil there showed they believed in James 5, 14 and 15. They anointed him with oil. The man laid hands on him, he prayed. As soon as the man said amen, he just said, it's gone. That's what he said. When he said it's gone, one side of his mouth spoke, one side didn't. So some people came to meet him after. He said, were you really healed? He said, yes, I, I was. I'm healed. He said, but do you feel different? He said, if I do, I don't know it. 
We can see you are not any different. Only one side of your face is stocky. You know, when he said that, he laughed. He was so amused. And then just one side of his face was talking. There was this lady. Her name was Himogini. Himogini Alexander was her name. Himogini was a friend of his. You know, she came. Was a single young man at that time. She said, Kenneth, did God really heal you? He said, look, I'm healed. Said, but that man didn't pray a prayer of faith. Listen, whatever he prayed or didn't pray, he prayed, right? And I'm in faith. That's a prayer of faith. The moment, you see, that moment the man anointed him with all was his point of contact. The moment the man said amen, that was his point of contact. When he released his faith. Well, he got to Imogini's house. They were pretty short. You know, Imogini called her mother, Mrs. Alexander. Said, come and look at Kenneth. He says he's healed. But look, is his face any different? He shone the light. He said, if there's anything that has changed in his face, I can't tell. But he thinks he's healed. He said, no, I don't think it. I know it. I'm healed. You know? Well, she, she wanted to argue with him. It was no use arguing. You see, faith calls the things that be not as though they were. Can you see you're healed? Can you feel you're healed? If you can see you're healed and you can feel you're healed, probably didn't pray the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is the prayer of the substance of things hoped for. It's the prayer of the evidence of things not seen. It's the prayer that calls the things that be not as though they were. And who determines whether the prayer of faith was prayed or not? The sick man does. How? By calling the things that be not as though they were. Well, when was even Himogeny that night? He said, look, I'm healed. The next time you see me, you admit it so. Well, he went to sleep that night. One eye wasn't trying to shut. So he praised himself to sleep. By the time he woke up the next morning, his face was perfect. He went to Himogeny's house to have breakfast. Had some cereal. Imogene said, now you're healed. He said, no, I got it yesterday night. He said, no, you didn't get anything yesterday night. By the time you are leaving here, half of your face, look, if it was going by Imogene's kind of faith, it never would have been healed. So he was anointed with oil. The prayer of faith was prayed and he got his healing. Who determines whether a prayer of faith is prayed or not is a sick man. There was one pastor, associate pastor. He was in um, Tulsa. He went to visit one church member. Church member was sick. He was told to pray for the church member. You know, as he was ministering to him, suddenly he stopped. Then he asked him, he said, oh, where will you be by this time tomorrow? The man said, I'll be in bed. He said, then there's no use for me to continue praying. You've already said it won't work. You've already said you'll still be in bed tomorrow. And the man saw it. You see, sometimes we don't understand that we need to cooperate. We're waiting for somebody to zap our healing on us. No, it doesn't work that way. We need to cooperate. Amen. Then the guy saw it. He said, yeah. Then he called his wife, told the wife to call the, his boss in the office and tell the boss in the office that he will resume the next day. He was still in bed. Nothing had changed. See, what was happening? He was now releasing his faith. Of course, he was healed. He was in the office the next day, made whole. So the prayer of faith will save the sick. So it's not the oil. Some people think the oil will do it. Hey, did that oil touch you? Did that oil touch you? you know, the oil touched your head. The oil touched me. You know, as if it's Nigeria's crude oil. Even if it was Nigeria's crude oil, it's just the, the tip that touched you. So it's not the el elders that save the sick. It's not the oil that saves the sick. It's the prayer of faith that does it. And then it says, the Lord shall raise him up. The Lord shall raise him up. And notice if he have committed sins, he didn't even say a sin. He says sins. Now, let me tell you something. Why are people sick? Not necessarily because they sinned. If a person sins, can he open the door to sickness? It can. We have at least three scriptures that prove that. James 5, here, 14 and 15, seems to imply that sin could, by breaking fellowship with God, it could open the door to sickness. In John chapter 5, that man 
that, um, you know, that was by the pool of Bethesda. Jesus told him, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come on thee. So, and then in Psalm 107, 17 to 20. So we know that by breaking fellowship with God, it can open the door to sickness. But that somebody is sick doesn't mean you should start doing holier than thou and try to sniff out the sin they sinned. They don't have to sin. Because of Adam's sin, the devil has a right to be here. And he will try to put sickness on anybody he, who will let him. But you see, even if you sinned, and it was by breaking fellowship that opened the door to the enemy, listen, there is forgiveness in healing. There is forgiveness in healing. Your father is abundant in goodness. He is full of compassion. He is slow to wrath. He is of great mercy. That's why Psalm 103 verse 3 says, Oh, you know, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, forget not all of his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases? Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like that of the eagles? Amen. So there's forgiveness in healing. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. See, sometimes some people think God is not going to heal them because they've messed up so badly. You know, if I tell you do as I say and not as I do, what will you call me? Hypocrite. How many times did God say, if somebody were to offend me, I should forgive him. And offend you, you should forgive him. Seventy times, seven times. Now, if God himself wouldn't do that, he's a hypocrite. Just a bald-faced hypocrite. Don't you think so? Now, let me ask you. Have you sinned 490 times every day? Don't you think you have a pretty good margin to work with? Someone says, oh, don't talk like that. You're giving people the license to sin. No, I'm not. They'll do enough sinning without a license. No, the truth sets free. When people know of God's love, it makes them live right. Amen. Don't scare people into living right. It doesn't work. If your motivation is, ah, so I don't go to hell. So I don't go to hell. Then you see some people doing it and you see them praying for the sick or you see them ministers, you see them doing well, then you now throw caution to the wind and start doing crazy stuff. No. If your motivation is fair, if you come under sufficient pressure, you will crumble like a pack of cards. It's love that never fails. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. So the more we understand the love he has for us, the easier it becomes for us to reciprocate it and love him in return and do what is right and do what's pleasing in his sight. Amen. Amen. So anointing the sick with all, that's another method. Well, number five. Number five, fifth method. The laying on of hands. The laying on of hands. Well, I said I was going to say why Jesus didn't bother to use oil. The reason is this. He was already anointed with healing power. He had it. There was a tangible anointing in his hands that he was anointed to minister with. So because he already had that, and that was perceptible to the touch, so there was something he could feel. They could also feel. Just like carnal Christians, they need to feel oil to help them. They need to feel something. Because he was already ministering with something that is perceptible to the touch, he didn't need to use oil. Amen. And in level two, we talk more about that. Well, number five, the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands. Mark 16, from verse 15 to 20, says, And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. The very first of them, he said, In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
19 says, and after he had spoken these words unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went forth preaching everywhere, the Lord walking with them. Them is in italics there, so it's not there in the original. The original actually reads the Lord walking with and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. See, God walks with his word. If you want to see him walking, put his word out. He walks with his word. Give him something to walk with. Now, you notice that according to Mark's account, the last 11 words Jesus spoke before leaving the earth, they were this, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When a man is about to leave the scene, you know, you pay attention to the last words he speaks. This was one of the last words he spoke. That the believing ones will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Now, who can lay hands on the sick? Anybody who's born again. Whether you are filled with the Holy Ghost or not filled with the Holy Ghost. See, Brother Higgin, as a Baptist boy, not filled with the Holy Ghost, he got five times as many people healed as Pentecostal people got healed. Because they, they will wait until there's a manifestation of the Spirit. He wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. He didn't have any manifestations of the Spirit at that time. He later got filled, and then he began to have them. But at that time, he wasn't filled. But what will he do? He'll just teach them God's word. He'll get them to act in faith. They waited until there was a special move. He just acted on the word of God and got people healed, coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. Amen. So, any believer can lay hands on the sick. Any believer. Any believer. The laying on of hands can be practiced from two perspectives. First, from the standpoint of the, as a point of contact as a point of contact. So what do I mean a point of contact? The moment hands are laid on you, that's the moment you release your faith. Now what does it mean to release your faith? You release your faith with words. That's the moment you start believing that you receive your healing. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. See, there's a lot of laying on of empty hands on empty heads, producing empty results that we have in the body of Christ. Some of the reason is because we just do it as a ritual, as a Pentecostal ritual. Little or no understanding. We need to teach about it. The laying on of hands. You see it in the Old Testament. Yes, you do. You see it in the New Testament also. In actual fact, in Hebrews 6, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Therefore, leaving the elementary principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, to maturity, not laying again, the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of the laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Now, six fundamental principles of the teaching of Christ are mentioned. And one of them is the laying on of hands. There was this minister. Was, he had a conversation with Brother Hagin. You know? And he told Brother Hagin, he said, look, I can see that the Lord is dealing with you about laying on of hands in ministering to people. Well, he began to deal with me too about it many, many years back. But I backed off. The man told him. He said, you don't back off. He said, I backed off because I didn't want to make a doctrine out of it. The truth is, he didn't need to make a doctrine out of it. Jesus already made a doctrine out of it. It's a doctrine. It's a teaching. It's fundamental. We should teach about it. The more we teach about it, the more results we will get. In your church, teach about it. Let people know about it. Amen. Of course, the laying on of hands goes beyond just healing. We can lay hands on people to be filled with the Holy Ghost, lay hands to impart blessings, lay hands in people being separated to the call of God, think spiritual things that imparted through the laying on of hands. So there's a whole lot in the laying on of hands. But you see, it can be done as a point of contact. Any believer can do that. The moment you lay hands, that's the moment the sick person releases his faith. 
and starts believing that he receives his healing. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Now, what's that saying? you got to believe you've got it. When you don't yet have it, and then you'll get it. The believing comes first, and then the having follows. When are you to believe you receive your healing before you have it? When are you going to have your healing after you believe you receive it? When is the moment you believe you receive it? The moment you pray. That's the moment you start believing that you receive. So you begin to say, I believe that I receive. I believe that I receive. I believe that I receive my healing. There was this lady. <laughs> she was legally blind. Wore glasses, about a quarter of an inch thick. She was in Brother Higgins' healing line. She came, believing God, that the moment he, he lays hands on her, she'll be healed. So, after he laid hands on her, in faith, and I'm putting in faith, in quote, she removed her glasses, you know, expecting that she'll see. But guess what happened? She couldn't see. She was just as blind as she was. Then she went and met him and said, I came in faith. I believe that the moment you lay hands on me, I'll be healed. And then you laid hands on me. And then in faith, I removed my glasses because I really believe. You see, sometimes what we call corresponding action to faith is not corresponding action. Sometimes people are acting presumptuously out of their heads. Maybe based on what someone else did. No, act from your heart. People have heard someone give a testimony of throwing their drugs away, breaking their glasses. They break their own glasses and then have an accident on the way home. They throw their drugs away and then they die prematurely. Don't act based on someone else's action. Act from your own heart, based on persuasion in your own spirit. Don't act beyond your faith, but don't act beneath it too. Let your action correspond to your believing. Are you listening? So she told Brother Hagin, said, what do I do? You know what he told her? She said, put your glasses back on. So he said, no, but if you're in faith, you will act. Yes. The healing had not yet manifested. So what should she do between that time and the time the healing manifests? Die? In fact, she was against the laws of the land because there was a restriction on her driver's license that she shouldn't drive without her glasses. So she wore her glasses back on. And then he told her, just maintain your confession. I believe I receive my healing. 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 And when you wake up first in the morning, as you're reaching out to your glasses to put them on, say, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you. Your word says, Mark eleven twenty four. what things ever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Hands were laid on me. Whoa, I believe I receive my healing. I just want to thank you because my eyes are healed. Thank you, Father. And then put your glasses on. You're having your bath. I believe I receive healing for my eyes. You're getting into your car. I believe I receive healing for my eyes. Every time you remember, all day long, I believe I receive healing for my eyes. Yeah, putting your glasses off to sleep in the night. I believe I receive healing for my eyes. After nine months of doing that, nine months, she relocated to another state. So they had to do another test. Well, because she had passed the driving test, she didn't need to do a driving test. It was a written test based on the different laws in different states in the U.S. So she had to take the written test. She took the written test. Then they saw the restriction on her glasses. And they said she needed to take another eye test. Well, she went for the eye test. And the doctor gave her 20-20 vision. Yeah. That's faith. That's real faith. May not be some people's idea of faith. But, but that's real faith. Amen. Some things some people think is faith is just willpower. Just willpower. Just foolishness sometimes. Just presumption sometimes. And it, can, it has gotten many people in trouble. Yeah. Is it possible also for somebody to be in the place where they can put down their glasses? Yes. But she wasn't in that place. 
So what was she to do between the time hands were laid on her and the time the healing manifested? You see, the drugs in some cases won't heal you. Especially cases like this. But also, they won't keep you from getting healed. However, they can keep you alive until your faith takes hold of your healing. Amen. Does that make sense? Hope this set someone free. Amen. So the laying on of hands can be practiced as a point of contact. Anybody can lay hands. Once you're a believer, you can lay hands on the sick. Amen. And expect them to recover. And the moment hands are laid on them, the sick man is to release their faith. Now, as a usual rule, I don't rush to minister to the sick. I don't. Why don't I? John 15, 7, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what he will, and it shall be done unto you. You see, if people are not yet ready for ministry, and you try to minister to them prematurely, you can take them farther away from their healing. Because you then become another statistic of another person, another minister, who has prayed for them and nothing happened. So it just adds to their doubt. But it's not that God wasn't present, and his power wasn't present. Sometimes it's that people are not yet in position to receive. I went to preach some years back, a convention. It was in Okene. And um, there was this lady, she was paralyzed. She was carried into the meeting. She was carried into the meeting. You know, first day she wanted me to pray for her. I said, I won't. I said, I can minister to you now. But you know what? Just sit down and hear the word. Hear the word. Now I could have a manifestation of the spirit. When I'm without any kind of teaching, you could be healed through it. But I can't guarantee I will have that. And I might. But this is what I'll say. Whether I have or I don't, hear the word. Hear the word. Even if you got healed by manifestation of the spirit, you need to know God's word to keep the healing. So let's start. I don't want to waste my labor. Be in the, be in the teaching services. Hear the word taught. So I taught quite some hours. The last day, Sunday, I was not going to minister to the sick. Well, they carried her right in front of everybody. Carried her up front. I laid hands on her. Well, in about three minutes' time, she was running up and down the place. Running up and down the whole place. Yeah. Yeah. There's a member of this class who was in that meeting. Yes. He's not around now. I'll have Pastor Matthew. It was his church. Yes, it happened. There's another person who's my Facebook friend who he went with me to the meeting. He captured it. You know, but you know, we don't try to make noise about stuff. You know, Jesus will heal people and tell them, don't tell it. He didn't say, put it on Facebook. Let them know that I'm the man of God. I'm the real deal. <laughs> no, we are not trying to magnify ourselves. We're trying to magnify Jesus. He's the healer. He takes all the glory. He takes all the honor. You see, I can't heal a fly. It's Jesus who's the healer. The glory goes to his name. And he's still in the healing business. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. And then also, if you're going to minister to the sick, you need to be careful about money. If you're going to walk in the power of God, you need to be careful about money. You can become money-minded and you'll lose the anointing and the ministry. Don't take a charge for your ministry. Don't do it. You'll get yourself in a mess. All right. So, like I was saying, laying on of hands, first as a point of contact. Also, the laying on of hands can be practiced from another standpoint. From the standpoint of the law of contact and transmission. The law of contact and transmission. What do I mean the law of contact and transmission? You see, there is a healing anointing. There is an anointing to heal. Now, this is not the usual way God uses people in the healing ministry. The usual way God uses people, excuse me, in the healing ministry, 
is through gifts of healings. That's the usual way he uses people. But you see, there's also the healing anointing, which is different. You know, you know, you, the Corinthian church, they weren't behind in any gift, right? They had all the nine gifts of the spirit walking through them, but they were still ignorant about the gifts of the spirit. So the fact that somebody walks in the power of God doesn't mean he knows it. Yeah, I know healing ministers who don't understand what walks through them. Because I've heard them talk about it and it's obvious they don't understand what it is, how it works, what makes it work, what makes it not work. Amen. So there's an anointing to heal. Remember in Luke 4, 18, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal. So Jesus was anointed to heal. In Acts 10, 38, it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing. You see, because Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit manifested himself through Jesus, through gifts of the Spirit. But not only was he anointed with the Holy Ghost, he was also anointed with healing power. Gifts of healings is not the healing anointing. The healing anointing is not gifts of healings. In our level 2 class, we explain that further, but I'll just mention it here. You see, there is a, uh, uh, an anointing to heal. It's a tangible substance. It's a heavenly materiality. It not only heals, it also drives out demons. Sometimes God anoints people with it. Sometimes God uses people that way. Amen. Jesus was used that way. He had the Holy Ghost without measure. He was anointed with healing power. Now, Paul was anointed that way. Acts 19, 11 and 12. It says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs and aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. You see, just like some things conduct electricity in the natural, some things also conduct God's power in the spiritual. John G. Lake said, like, said this, that like electricity is God's power in the natural, the anointing is God's power in the spiritual. He said the secret of healing, I quote Lake, he said the secret of healing is the tangibility of the Holy Ghost. He said if only we could make the world know that the Spirit of God is tangible, actual, real, just as real as electricity or any other native force and a great deal more so. The life principle, the vital force that stands behind all manifestations of life everywhere. He said healing is not only a matter of grace, said, but a perfectly scientific application of God's spirit to meet man's needs. He knew some things about the laws of the spirit. Jesus revealed and applied the laws that govern the anointing. You see, electricity was never, never invented by man. Man did not invent electricity. Hope you know that. Man only discovered it. God put electricity on the earth since creation. But man didn't know that there was even any such thing. Then later, remember Michael Faraday and all those guys, you know, they discovered that there was something. And some people died trying to find out about the laws that govern it. Then after electricity was discovered, then they began to learn the laws that govern electricity. And now you see, I have a microphone in my hand. You know, the ACs are working. The sound system is working. Speakers there. We've made some good use of electricity, haven't we? We have cell phones. You know, we've made some good use of electricity. Both current and static. A lot of use of it. Both AC and DC. Thank God for that. In the same way, the anointing, there are laws that govern it. If we understand those laws, then we can apply it properly. We can harness it and it can do the greatest good for us. Are you listening? Well, 
I referred to this yesterday. I'll say it again today. January, January of um, 1989. I didn't say this. I just said a little part of it, but I'll talk in a little more detail. January of 1989, January 15th of 1989, in case you want to know, it was a Sunday. About 10 a.m. that Sunday morning, I can tell you what I was wearing. I can tell you exactly where I was, the city I was, the room I was. You know, spiritual things don't grow old. It was a book I was reading. I just got through reading the book. I was getting off the bed. And then all of a sudden, I had a voice deep down inside me. The voice spoke up. And this is what the, part of what the voice said. I won't say all of it. The voice said, there's an anointing on your hands to minister to the sick. I was startled. You see, then I discovered that sometimes, you know, I'm in a meeting, you know, and then uh, maybe to minister. And then I start feeling something in my, initially, I used to feel it in one hand. I used to be more conscious of it in one hand more than the other. The way I know to describe it is that it was like a warm glow. It was like a warm glow. Now, my left hand is actually stronger than my right hand. It is. You know, I write with my right, but I use my left for virtually every other thing. So, then I used to notice it gets stronger on my left hand. Maybe because I use that hand more. You know, and then sometimes it will be on my right. Sometimes it will be on both. But it will just be like a warm glow. Now, then I noticed that because I experimented with it. I proved it out. Well, initially when the Lord said that to me, I didn't. I just threw it away, didn't pay attention to it. A few weeks after, minister of the gospel walks up to me and says, well, God spoke this to you and he quoted it verbatim. Even the part that I, I'm not talking about now, he said all of it. I was startled. He said, but you didn't want to take it seriously. I said, yes. He said, God has asked me to tell you that he meant what he said and he said what he meant and you had better take it seriously because he wasn't kidding about it. Then I began to get more serious about it. March 22nd. March 22nd of 1989 was a Wednesday. About 7.30, that Wednesday evening, that same voice spoke up and said, I've given you a ministry of laying on of hands to lay hands on the sick and get them healed and to lay hands on believers and get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, way back then, the quickest I got someone filled with the Holy Ghost, there was someone I got filled in 11 seconds. I don't mean 11 seconds after teaching. I mean plus teaching plus everything. Because we used to time it. We were good ones to watch and pray. Amen. You know? Within 11 seconds of him coming and saying, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. In 11 seconds time, he's talking in tongues. Well, some years after that record got broken. I met a fellow. I said, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? He said, no. I just hit him like this and he started talking in tongues. Amen. So you see, there's a, there's a faculty along those lines. Now, does this make you special? It doesn't. None of us is special in ourselves. Nothing. None of us. It's God's gifts that are special. It's God's grace that is special. Amen. You see, God once spoke Hebrew through a donkey. He didn't make the donkey anything. Amen. That God uses me or uses you. Amen. You know, doesn't mean you're spiritual. Doesn't mean I'm spiritual. It's just his prerogative. The Corinthian church, they were canal. Yet they came behind in no gift. So you see, we shouldn't let stuff get into our head. We shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We should make sure the glory always goes to God. He's the healer, not us. The excellency of the power is not of us, it's of God. Well, then I began to yield more and more. And then I saw quite a number of healings as I lay hands on people. I'll feel it leave my hand and enter them. I'll feel it leave my hand and enter them. Remember one of the first ones I saw, there was this fellow, one of his eyes. Just like that, he was healed instantly. You know, I saw things like that. 
And then I used to do outreaches. I was a secondary school boy. I used to do outreaches in secondary schools myself, just preaching, praying for the sick. Amen. Well, 90, 1991. 1991, December 2nd was a Monday. That Monday, 1991, December 2nd, I just decided just to take some time to seek God and stay off food. So I did. Prayed virtually the whole day. After that day, I felt like, no. I just still felt like I should take out some extra more time. So I said, okay, the next three days, I'll stay off food. And I'll just take fluid. And I'll minister to the Lord. And just fellowship with him. And just talk in tongues. Was I praying for power? I wasn't. What was I doing? I just wanted to minister to the Lord. I just felt like he wanted me to take some extra time to wait on him. So I did. Amen. To pray. To charge up my spirit. The first day, that was now December 3rd, which obviously was a Tuesday. I talked in tongues about 12 hours. The day after, about 15 hours. The day after, about 19 hours. Virtually the whole day. Amen. Just talking in other tongues. Fellowship with my father. Charging up my spirit. Now, what did that do? It just, I was just waiting on him. Amen. That was it. Well, December the 5th of 1991, Thursday, I was... In the University of Ibadan. I can tell you exactly where I was. I was wearing a blue khaki shorts. I can tell you what shirt I was wearing. The color of it. As I'm saying it now, I almost can see it. Then, five minutes to midnight that night. That same voice spoke up from the inside of me. And this is what the voice said. It said, from this night onwards. What is known in my word as the gift of faith. Together with the discerning of spirits. When you are in the spirit. See, I can't do it at will. It's when I'm in the spirit and I don't control that. Will be in very strong operation in your life. And that tangible anointing you minister under will come back to stay. And it will be a hundred times stronger. Now, this is one of the things I also discovered. There are times I'll pray a lot and then that probably manifestation in trickles. There are times I won't pray nearly as much and it will be so strong in manifestation. You know, God was letting me know I'm not controlling it. He is. Amen. Now, from that night, okay, well, the very next day, I broke my fast, you know, and then for some reason, I just didn't have an appetite again. So I ended up praying virtually the whole day, that Friday. I attended the church. We had a prayer service, prayer meeting, 6.30. So I went to church for a prayer meeting. We started praying 6.30. At about 7.45, during the course of the prayer, something strange happened. I was standing praying. The first thing was this. It felt like somebody came from behind me. And threw a mantle on me. Now a mantle is not a handkerchief. A mantle is a loose outer covering. Like an overcoat. It was my size. You've seen these overalls. Like a hood. It fits your head. It just wraps around your body. You know. That's the way it felt. It came around me. And it wrapped around me. It, wore, it came upon my head. My neck. My, my chest. My back. Just wrapped around me. You know. I was shocked. What's this? I could feel it. Like I'm wearing something. What's this? That's on me. Well, what's this? It's strange. You know. And the next thing, I felt, and I don't know a better way to describe it. It was like something creepy. Something odd shaped moving inside me in my spirit. I could feel it. What's this? So I stopped praying. What was going on? I sat down. Both my elbows were bent like they are now. When I did, something fell. It fell from up. It hit my right elbow first. I looked. What's that? Then it hit my left elbow next. Then what's that? And then the next thing that happened, from my shoulder, shoulder blades to my palms, both hands, 
it now felt like there were tubes inside both my arms. And I felt this thing. I felt it. I'm not saying I sensed it in the spirit. I'm not. I felt it. It was perceptible to the touch. It was like if you've ever had a, uh, an electric shock. I felt this thing. I don't know a better way to describe it than to call it liquid electricity. That's how it felt. It was just gushing out of my hands. My eyeballs, you know, I couldn't stand it. It's like yeah, you, you hold on to high voltage for a long while. That was what it felt like. So I said, Lord, turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. I can't stand it. Turn it off. Because I couldn't stand it physically. Now, I've had that power on me, that in, in that intensity, that stronger anointing has been on me quite a number of times over the years. A few things I can do to minister at that level. And, um, you know, there was one time for about 30 minutes, about 30 minutes, that stronger anointing was there, about 30 minutes with that intensity. There was one time, you know, <laughs> I was a bit mischievous. That stronger anointing came in manifestation. There was a fellow by my side. I just hit him like, he fell on the floor. I knew what was going to happen anyway, and that was what I wanted to do. I remember there was another time. Yeah, he just fell over. You know, he didn't know, he said, what was that? Something like, you hit me with a bat. No, I just touched him. Amen. It was God's power. There was another time I was in a church service. That stronger anointing was a manifestation. I called one guy, sat by my side. I said, come. I held his hand. He said, what's coming out of your hand? He said, something like electricity. I said, yeah, I know it. I feel it too. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one lady I laid hands on. She said it felt like a bolt of lightning. Just surged through her. Yeah. God's power is real. It's real. I've seen it. And I've seen it do wonders. I've seen it do stuff. So when that happened, I said, oh. And I remembered what he said to me the previous day. See, when God told me it would be a hundred times stronger, he was like, ah, ah, Baba God, there really. Hundred times. He was like, are you exaggerating? What, what do you mean hundred? What, what, what are you talking about? But I knew it was 100 times more intense. It was full blown. Now, when I have that stronger anointing on me, if I get close to you, just some meters away from you, you'll either fall down or start laughing in the spirit or start dancing in the spirit. When I have that full manifestation on me, when I have it in full manifestation, if I point to a certain radius, the folks will just fall over. Amen. You see, God's power is real. Now, what's the purpose of it? It's to bless lives. It's not to line our pockets. It's to bless people. It's to glorify Jesus. It's to destroy the yoke of sickness. And Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. Then June the 1st of 92. June the 1st of 92, like I said yesterday, was a Monday. That Monday morning about 11.30, you know, had a vision. Now Jesus appeared to me a number of times. That was one of those times. And then he caught me up to heaven. He had me to kneel down. I knelt. He laid his right hand on my head. And then he said to me, he said, I have called you specially and anointed you specially to do what I've called you to do. He said, now I want you to go in the strength of that call. You see, when he said that, I understood at least to some extent what he was talking about. Among other things, he was talking about that tangible anointing. Now, why am I talking about it? If I don't say it, it won't work. It won't work. If I don't talk about it, it won't work. I'm not saying it because I want you to think I'm anointed. That's nonsense. I'm saying it so that it can work for you. If you will believe I'm anointed and you will receive that anointing, that power will flow from my hands into your body. It will drive out whatever sickness or disease and it will effect a healing and a cure in you. 
Amen. And I've seen people healed of HIV AIDS like that. I've seen the dead raised with that power. I've seen blind eyes open instantly. I've seen deaf ears open instantly. I've seen things like that happen like that. Amen. That's why I'm talking about it. Tomorrow, like I said yesterday, I will lay hands on the sick at the last hour. Now, if you intend to come for that special laying on of hands session, you'll get the most out of it if you can stay in all the teaching. Why are we teaching? So that faith can come and be built in people's hearts. See, sometimes there are things that hinder people from receiving. Sometimes there are things like, well, maybe God is using this to teach me a lesson. There are some of those things that people need to have sorted out. It's good for people to be in position. If we pray for them too soon, we won't help them. There was a lady pregnant, PCV8. She had an autoimmune condition on admission in the hospital. Uh -huh. brother was someone who was like a good friend of mine so he got a hold of me and let me talk about that so I went there, I just shared God's word with her and just shared God's word it was UCH a number of times just shared God's word with her, shared God's word with her when she was in position to receive I ministered that power to her and I felt it, I felt it leave my hand and enter into her body and then I said listen it went into your body see that's where my responsibility ends that's, I can't go beyond that all I can do is to minister it to you. Yours is to take it. There are times I lay hands on people with it. This happens a lot on the healing line. There are sometimes I lay hands on people with it and it doesn't leave my hand. And I know. Sometimes, because I don't have enough time to deal with them one-on-one. -on -one, sometimes I know why. But sometimes I can't fix it there, there and then. And sometimes when people do that, it affects the next one or two people I even lay hands on. Yeah, yeah sometimes I lay hands on people with it and it leaves my hand, goes into their body and it comes back into my hands. So they didn't take a hold of it. Sometimes because they're trying to receive it with their minds. The power of God is tangible, is real, is actual. It's a tangible substance. It's a heavenly materiality. You see, this is the lowest level that a person can receive their healing on. You see, the laying on of hands will work when nothing else will work. This is the lowest level. If someone is going to exercise faith for their healing, at the very lowest level they can exercise faith on, this is it. This is it. Faith is still involved. Now, this is a difference between the healing anointing and gifts of healings. When gifts of healings are in operation, whether you're in faith or you're not in faith, it has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with it. God just initiates it. Sometimes it's the skeptics. Sometimes people that don't believe in divine healing. And there will be a manifestation of God's spirit to meet their need. But you see, the healing anointing, you've got to believe. You've got to release your faith. Amen. You know, I've had people come wanting me to heal them, wanting me to zap them. And I tell them, That's, I can't do anything. I can't heal you. I'm not the healer. Jesus is the healer. You know. And then they adjust themselves. And then they stay in position to receive. Brother Higgin talked about one man. He laid hands on 16 times. He never received anything. He was like laying hands on a doorknob. Dead. The power never flowed into him. He said he kept coming. He kept coming. He just felt like, well, let me just humor him and keep ministering to him. Maybe that will make him keep coming. You know, if I say something, it could scare him away and he may not come to the meetings anymore. Let me just keep saying something so he'll keep coming. You know, and he kept ministering to him. Now, unknown to him, there was one particular night he had made an adjustment in his heart. Now he was in faith. The person that opened the church door said, by the time he got there to open the church door, that man was there. And the man told him, he said, watch it. I'm going to receive my healing tonight. See, he was in faith. Brother Higgin didn't know. So the man came for the 17th time. He saw him and said, oh dear, this poor guy again. 
You know, but he didn't know the man was in faith. He said as he was about to lay hands on the man, <laughs> he said people there saw it. There was a ball of fire. Yeah, they saw it. That fell from his hand and hit the guy on the head. When it hit him, it carried him in the air. Suspended him momentarily, mid-air. Yeah. Threw him. Threw him so many feet away. Of course, he was instantly healed. Instantly. Instantly healed. You see, God's power is real. These things are real. We need to teach more about them. You see, the church is trying to get in the natural. And we're trying to leave the supernatural alone. It won't work. The devil is not a natural devil. He's a supernatural devil. It will take supernatural power to dislodge him. The church is trying to get worldly. We are trying to get secular. We are trying to learn all those things. Listen, nothing can substitute for the anointing. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Nothing can take its place. Nothing can take its place. Brother Higgin talked about one meeting. He said he saw that cloud, the glory cloud. It came rolling in. He said as soon as the Lord had told him, when he saw that cloud, you know, he, he moved back. He waited until he stood above the heads of the people. All their eyes were shut. So they didn't know. He said he waved his hand. Everybody fell down at the same time. When the glory is present, things happen. There was one time that cloud came, came rolling in. He was trying to steady himself, trying to hold on to someone. Both the person and him, they got thrown. He found himself like 14 feet away under a chair. Yes, it threw him. See, when the glory is present, some people say the glory is money. It couldn't be. Yes, God's glory. In God's glory, there's provision, no doubt. But listen, we can't, don't try to make light of the supernatural. Don't try to explain it away. Don't try to belittle it. What you are not up on, you are down on. What you are not down on, you are up on. If we want to see the supernatural working, we have to contend for it. If you are speaking against it, you will not see it. If you are giving everything as a substitute for it, you will not see it. I've overshot my time, right? But I just felt like I needed to put this in. We'll, then we'll go on our break and then we'll be back. So the laying on of hands, the power of God can flow into people. Who can lay hands? Any believer can. Now, if you are filled with the Holy Ghost, sometimes you may be conscious of God's life flowing out of you. Amen. But you see, there's the law of contact and transmission. Where the contact of the hands transmits God's healing power into the sick. Amen. Transmits it to undo that which the devil has done and to effect a healing and a cure in them. Praise God. This is a 20-minute break. All right. We'll be back. Maybe we'll take 15. We'll be back in 15 minutes. Thank you. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.